Right, hello everybody, and welcome back to a very special episode of Always Foolish. This is not part of our regular series. Instead, we are going to be giving our first impressions on the Star Beast. That we are recording yes. this two days after first premiere. We are recording this one day after we both actually got round to watching it because we're fake fans. Yes, <laughs> we are fake it's fans. Good times. I, I was hanging out with real human beings, which is uh, repulsive. And I, I was, I wasn't. I was hanging out with my friends. Oh, uh, yeah. Your friends are lots of mannequins that you've stapled clothes to because you can't quite work out how to get the limbs off so you can put the clothes on the mannequins. So you just stapled yeah. them to them. That was like like, like, like um, Shifty Barry, that's one of them. Um, Shifty, Shifty Barry? Shifty Barry and oh, Plastic Fed. I mean, I think there's also... Um, I think the name you're grasping for here is Grizzly Derek. No, I don't think it is Grizzly Derek. I think it's, um, I think it's Margarine Jenny is the other one from your group. It's uh, all the things I just said, and also Margarine Jenny. And those names that I said were uh, Plastic Problems. Kenny and John John the Ice Cream Man were the, the names. So as you can tell anyway, for so this episode, we're Star following Beast. quite a rigid script. That's why um, I think of the Star Beast. <laughs> yep. So, anyway, yep. Uh, thank you for listening to all <laughs> Thank you for Foolish. listening, everyone. <laughs> Tune in again for Wild Blue Yonder, where David we, will we, be naming a few more mannequins. Oh, for, uh, for all we know, this could be in Wild Blue Yonder. We don't know. Yeah. Um. Honestly, like, we need to differentiate from the reactions that happened immediately after by adding some weird... Yeah. But yes, as is tradition always foolish, we're, we're going to start with the things that we liked about the star beast and tom and, dropped yeah and that would be that would be pretty easy in a way because mm-hmm. I, I i very much enjoyed watching it i don't As think it's I. a perfect episode um and nor do i you know, i don't really think many things are perfect episodes but i i, I had a really really good time life watching is it it's a perfect episode yeah i watched it with my sister and we watched all of like the tenant Catherine tate stuff together when it came out Oh, so right, that yeah. was a real fun vibe, particularly as soon as it starts. It starts with that. I mean, this is not a thing I loved. It was just weird, that weird before. And yeah, when Donna's talking to that, the camera, it. that makes sense. Yeah. But when the Doctor is standing in a void... The, that the was... Doctor is standing on the um, on the screen that comes up at the end of YouTube videos where he says, don't forget yeah, to below to subscribe to the official Doctor Who YouTube channel. And you can hear yeah. how happy David Tennant sounds about it. Yeah, and what we're really hoping is that before the introduction begins, he actually looks at the camera and says, have you paid your licence fee? Pay your licence fee. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, it did come up to say, have you paid pay your, your licence fee, fee or you'll when die. started uh, watching <laughs> Did it say, pay your licence uh, yeah. fee or you'll die? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he said. That was something Michael did. Grade wanted to implement, I think. <laughs> but also, may as well just kill, just in case they're not paying, just kill everyone. Hire Michael Grade. <laughs> Yeah, Michael Grade is the BBC's hitman, as is well known yeah. by this point. Well, he certainly was a hitman for out Colin Baker's to, to career. Do you, want, do you want to go for the okay, the Colin Baker joke? No, okay. um, no sorry, I'll react to it if you like. Hey, hey. No, it's fine. <laughs> God. Sorry. Right, I meant to see minimal yeah, Sorry, I, I only sort of registered that, that that was what you'd said, like kind of around five seconds after you'd said it, and by then yeah. it sounded like, it would just. I thought it would just sound sarcastic to react. Just like Colin Baker getting a P45. <laughs> Only just registered it. I've been very mean to Colin Baker. He's one of my favourite <laughs> doctors. And my first classic doctor as well. So, either way, none of this is very relevant to the Star Beast, but that intro was weird. But I we paused it, it immediately, and my sister was like, what's going on? I was like, you remember that this stuff is like a, a sequel to something that happened 15 years ago? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, you know that some people might not have watched that. And that was the concept that was very like, difficult to explain. So, like, but why? And I was like, I don't know. It was like, why is he in a void? And I was like, I don't know why the doctor's floating that, in a void. That's the best point, yeah. I don't think it's going to be explained. And it wasn't. Yeah. Maybe it will anyway, be. Maybe that's why I blew you under. Uh, go on, Tom. Throw out something you liked. Something I liked? Uh, um, all right. The, the the pace. There was always things happening. Oh, there are no... There are no boring moments. It's not. It's, I'm not saying that it's mm. like kind of constantly moving very, very fast. But even in the the slower, quieter moments, is is a very propulsive script. It that really feels like it's always is going somewhere. Such an interesting thing to say because you know what? I actually thought it was too fast at the start. Yeah, I felt it actually. I, I later on, like from about the 15 minute mark, I think the pace is perfect. You're right. There is always something happening, but I think 
it needs and maybe it's because I'm treating this like it's the first episode of a new era and mm. not what it which it kind of is but it's it's not like written like but it's also kind year. of like the epilogue to series yeah, 4 isn't exactly. it exactly and, and in some ways I think it's the epilogue to uh, all of, of New to Who RTD1 to this point yeah RTD1 and, and Moffat and Chibnall I think to a degree it's going to be a kind of I don't think it's going to reboot but I think you know hmm I did read a very interesting essay about how much Russell seems to have taken from Moffat that I'll send to you later and also put in the notes. That will be interesting. Yeah, it's by Darren Mooney, who's a very good critic and very always has interesting things to say. Do you have any key points you want to drop in from that? Um, Basically, he's saying that um, it's clear that this isn't going to be just the Russell era, the first Russell era done again. That he's clearly picked up quite a lot um, of partially Moffat sort of implicit criticisms of how Donna's exit was initially handled, but also the Moffat era is very, very concerned with memory and identity, and that seemed to be a big thing that he was talking about here as well, yeah. um, Darren Mooney argues. And then he also said that the great thing that from the Chibnall era that this has carried forward is uh, diversity, of course. Yeah, that, and also the style. I yeah. honestly think the Chibnall era actually had quite a lot of style, and I think this doesn't feel that different i think it looks a little better but i think it looks mm. more consistently better but i think the kind of cinematic style of the chibnall era that's also remained interesting yeah yeah i don't know i um it definitely looks i mean yeah they've kept the sort of really sort of vivid look the chibnall era mm. some it was interesting that quite a lot of the episodes in it seemed to be a bit more sort of muted in visual well, style. First kind of series, aiming at the sort of sorry. like prestige TV sort of. I, I, I'm thinking thing. more second and third series, Chibnall, particularly Flux, which looks yeah, very, that's, yeah, Flux. I mean, is it's very inconsistent, good but it looks really interesting and it's very cinematic. Uh, and and this season yeah. two of Jodie, her first season is very muted, but that's we're not here to talk about Jodie's first series. We'll get onto that yep. later, probably in the new year at this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, we won't spoil I... what episode we're doing for it. No, uh, because neither of us can pronounce it. Actually, I do think we, we might have given a full list in the trailer. Okay, fine. Uh, well, honestly, well, I was just trying to do a joke maybe. about Ranskorov Kolos there anyway by saying we couldn't say No, it's say pronounced it. Resolution. I think. <laughs> I think I agree with you. It's got a really exciting pace, which fits with what Russell advertised this as. This is the fun... Uh, sort yeah. of family episode. It this does is a, feel this is I the know, popcorn episode. And I know you said it feels new, like different, but I do think you can kind of slot this. It feels like it could be part of series four in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. definitely kept a lot of that tone. I think for me, the biggest thing, the biggest positive is is a very obvious one. But I mean, my God, David Tennant and Catherine Tate. They're, ju- wow. they're really good together, aren't just they? Just amazing. I mean, even better, it's even am- better than I think they were in yeah. two thousand eight. Like, ju- just it, it, the energy is incredible, and particularly in the end, they play off in each the other amazingly at the end. Yeah. And they're dancing around. They're just excited at the set, and you yeah. know that's actually David Tennant doing it. Apparently, David Tennant it was his idea to go mental running around the set. And I think <laughs> I haven't watched Not Who Unleashed, but I think there's, I did see a quote from Russell that was like he was less happy with that idea after the seventh take. <laughs> it's them dancing in the TARDIS. Then, yeah, genuinely didn't feel like there was any acting there. Yeah, that was just absolutely. David Tennant and Catherine Tate, and it is it is absolutely lovely. Obviously, they've done stuff together. Yeah, Tate had her spin-off at Big Finish, and Tennant has a mm-hmm. cameo in that. Uh, it's called Donna Noble Kidnapped, and it's very weird. <laughs> there is obviously there's like two Tennant and Tate box sets as well, and they're both and they've done non Doctor Who stuff together as well. Yes, yeah, so they've done what was oh I can't remember Nah, they did, did Duck Tales. a sketch. DuckTales? Yep. Catherine Tate is in DuckTales? Yep. Who's Catherine Tate in DuckTales? Uh, Huey? Duck. Is she definitely? I, I can't remember. I, I, it, was on, it was on Richard Herring's podcast. Don Tales. <laughs> you. <laughs> so I couldn't think of a good Donna quote, and that's just the one that came Yeah, that's out. Donna's catchphrase, that's isn't a, it? It would, I mean, it would be. It, it would, would be if they could get away with it, yeah. My other favourite Donna and Doctor scene, outside of the like genuinely sad pathos ones where she doesn't quite remember him or where 
he is talking about her to other people and about how much mm-hmm. he values her as a friend. The bit where the Dr. Donna comes back and the first thing that Donna says is <laughs> I gave away all the million money. pounds. I gave away all my money. That is so funny. That That's is hilarious. Bit, but equally I'll hilarious is tenant, tenant's reaction of yeah, okay, okay, Donna, Donna, yeah, okay, yeah. It's like he's very similar to our relationship, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be in a burning building, and I'd be like, right, but there's some big finish news. I gotta like, I listen. I gotta. In fact, that always literally happened before this recording, and I really want to yeah. read it. I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> Don't. I need, yeah. So that I have was, so that many was other things I need to do in my life. Yeah. And we've got, I mean, what's great about this, we've still got two more specials of them. I know, I know. Oh, I, I'm really excited. Um, their dynamic is amazing. I was, I absolutely loved the um, final conversation in the TARDIS, not just the sort of dancing around with happiness, but uh, Donna's little uh, speech about how this time you can do things differently and you can actually have friends. Yeah. That feels like a mission statement. I. Uh, for the yes. for the new RTD era, feels like mm. it's where he's really setting himself out as different to how it was when he did it beforehand. Yeah. Where obviously well, we had the lonely gods, the Doctor as this sort of mm. figure disconnected from the rest of the world. And I think that that's something yeah. that Moffat and Chibnall it's... both tackled in their own ways, saying they did a little this bit, isn't healthy. Yeah. The Doctor needs to have yeah. these bonds with people. I mean, certainly Matt Smith's Doctor more than I think any of the others because matt smith by the end of the amy pond era is literally dropping in for to yeah. theirs for a bit and then going off and doing his own thing with other people also the doctor's then, relationship with clara as well in that yeah i was it's gonna say where it's not just somebody traveling clara's family full time as well and then also um who is the other um person that matt smith drops i mean vaster and jenny and the friends he assembles in demons run river as well craig as well and craig yeah so it's um yeah, I, I definitely agree. And it feels like it's something he kind of has to say to make you see that Russell's is going to be taking a different attitude here. Yeah. Which I think is good. I mean, the TARDIS itself, the bigger set. I mean, hey, let's jump to that. Because... I loved it. I absolutely I loved it. love it. I think when I first I saw it, it, I was like, oh, oh no, it's it's a bit... And it, it, I still think this. It is a bit empty. But mm. as soon as Tennant runs around it, it's the sense of scale, actually. It's not yeah. about it being packed. It's the fact that it's huge. That is what is so exciting because it looks like what the classic series looks like in the head of a seven-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, this is what I was going to say about it, actually, that this seems an interesting thing for the um, the show overall. There, there's quite a lot of sort of neo-1960s vibes about it, and the TARDIS set particularly but also coupled with the fact that, you know, the toy maker's coming back and Benjamin yes. Cook did the uh, colour version of the Daleks. <laughs> well, and... and this episode is based on a 1970s comic as well. I think 1980, I think it was. Shush. Shush of your date. It was, it's still the unit, the unit... I got it from yeah. the unit files, so it's unclear. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm living in the I'm living in the cottage next to Wilf. You know, for all the services yeah, that, I did. Yeah, that's the thing, actually. Yeah, I was surprised that we didn't get Wilf in this one. There's filming of him. Yeah. So we know I we'll imagine that'll be in the giggle, then. I'd be surprising if it was in Wild Blue Yonder, wouldn't it? It, it would, yeah. <laughs> but maybe was... anything's possible. We don't know any. We, we literally know nothing. Except if yeah, Frobisher there... isn't in it. I swear. I swear, <laughs> Russell. I'm coming for you if Frobisher isn't in Wild Blue Yonder. If my penguin friend. If my shape-shifting penguin friend. Oh, I thought you meant Martin Frobisher, the um, the early mo- early modern 16th century English explorer who tried to uh, discover the Northwest Passage a few times, brought back loads of iron pyrite and died. Yeah, but he's been confirmed for series 14, so it's unlikely he'll appear. Yeah, but that's what they said about time. Mel as well. That is what they said about Mel. And as of yet, it's not been confirmed that shooting. Mel is in it, except for the yeah. fact that there is a photo of her in it. Well, no, they did say Shooty would be in it, actually. Oh, did they? Okay. And he's in the trailers. But what yeah, if he isn't? Point. That'll be a, that'll be what a if it's a, switch what's a bait and switch. What if Shooty Gatwa has actually just been hired for the biggest bait and switch and he's not the Doctor and it's David Tennant in the next series? Just and Tennant Shooty, forever. Shooty has just been paid. Oh, I mean, that's the inevitable 
What's it called? What was the there's a joke at the end of a Alice Beckett King video that I think says the crushing inevitability of the Daleks is the next episode. <laughs> and I think I think that the crushing inevitability of more David, David Tennant. Tennant. I mean obviously yeah. I love David Tennant. Coming I, soon to Big I, Finish. Have we got any other um big positives we want to talk about? Yeah. I've got a few. Yeah. I've got two. I've got two a few as well. Ones. Uh unit. Can we do unit? Yep, we can do unit. That links to something I was going to say. Okay, so I initially was like, oh, they're a bit too... I mean, the bit where they bundle that man into a van is a bit like, what? Um, hmm. But maybe they'll pick that up. I think that guy is a... Is he a comedian from online? I maybe, I don't know. He looks, him. He looks vaguely familiar. Um, but either way... But he might just uh, be an extra in a bunch of things. Sorry, by the way, if my audio's all over the place. My audacity is automatically changing my levels. But beyond that, unit was sleek they were efficient there was new characters yep. i'm looking forward to more of major sing and i always I'm, have loved I absolutely love absolutely shirley shirley yeah, and bingham was, that was excellent shirley and bingham awesome i'm really sad Brilliant. though the doctor didn't go you look a little you saw you sound a little bit familiar just as a reference to the fact that uh, ruth madeley also plays a sick doctor companion hebe harrison who is also excellent uh, but besides that, maybe, maybe it's come up it. in another episode. That's that's not the thing that you want to be <laughs> giving no, the new no, fans no. that are already struggling through the fact that this You're is a right, sequel to something but, that happened 15 years ago. I mean, ago. if it is going to happen, it'll be in the one with Mel because it's the team, yeah. the TARDIS team is Hebe and Mel. So All right, yeah. that would be fun. But either way, it does mean that uh, Bonnie Langford and um, Ruth Mainly get to work together on audio and TV, which I love. That's quite um, fun. But, uh, That's been she's nice really funny. Trivia. I like. That what they've done is is not make her Osgood again. She's sort of not. She's not the yeah. anti Osgood, but she's a bit different. She doesn't. She's not that yeah. bothered. She's about definitely the a foil. A foil to Osgood, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I like the sleep dart she has in her wheelchair. I thought the rocket grenade at the time I was like, that's a bit silly, but it's it's absolutely growing on me. That made that made me burst out laughing. It's very funny. I, I I absolutely loved that. It reminded me of another one of my favourites. Um, sort of unexpected jokes in Doctor Who when I really wasn't expecting it, which is in Robot of Sherwood, the Doctor just blowing up the archery butts. Oh yeah, he's a bad loser. Can't wait isn't for he? us to do Robot of Sherwood. I've just rewatched Robot of Sherwood actually, and I really liked it. I really love it as well. I think I hate the ending. The ending amazing. is atrocious, but well, besides that, it. it's not it's not Gates's fault for a change. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, Robot of Sherwood was actually going to, this is not that many people know this, they were actually just going to keep filming it forever. It was going to be the first yeah. perpetual Doctor Who episode. Indeed, the first perpetual mm-hmm. episode of television. It was never going to well, end. I, we think there's see... one, I think there's one episode of uh, US medical drama that's still going on because they they accidentally looped it, so this person's constantly going <laughs> clear and shocking somebody. Oh, I thought you were going to say, uh, the news, David, is an ongoing uh, television yeah. programme. I believe it was either Panorama or Newsnight precede the news on TV. Huh. I can't remember which it was a, one. It was which... just a radio thing originally, you mean? Well, the news was always a, on the radio. No, no, it was in the first BBC TV show. The news was not always news. on the radio, David. The radio didn't always exist. I just have to choose that, to believe that that's not true as an audiophile. <laughs> to believe that to be fair that's also not true because stars have been emitting radio waves for for billions of years so it's it's music it's just like it's this is what you listen like, to when you don't have anything else is it you just sort of be like oh, I, plug into the cotton Tom, microwave back i always do you think i ever run out of big finish do you think that's even yeah, but, possible yeah okay yeah i feel they're, they're producing <laughs> it faster than anyone can consume it they, they actually it's like the Dutch tulip crisis. Eventually, it's going to take down the entire economy. <laughs> that implies that it makes much money. I mean, I did see Nick Briggs actually on the street, and he was dressed in full gold armor. Yeah, but that's just to protect him from fans being like, "I don't like what you did with the crotons," or whatever. Oh yeah, you made that croton have a too strong South African accent, and now I hate you. Hmm. I mean, also, I mean, obviously, they mainly hate him because. Where's this going? No, no, or no, no, no. That's that's it. <laughs> just, just, be, just because, as we've established, always feel this. A lot of people are just dicks. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do another uh, thing? Well, other things. So yeah, I was going to say that 
I basically I was just going to say I really liked all of the new characters and new actors. I thought obviously Ruth Medley is great. Um yes. we know that we know that Sylvia uh, sorry that Jacqueline King oh. is very good, but she was given a she lot more material so in depth this time, this. which I thought was phenomenal. I was very Can impressed. I particularly highlight the moment where Donna calls the doctor doctor and then runs off to help yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, an amazing Sylvia sort of good in facial the acting from Sylvia there. She called him doctor and then yeah. she just gets on with it. She's great in the audio she's in as well. Jacqueline King does a lot on audio, not as not as Donna's mum as well, and she's so good. Yeah. Not I won't, I'm not going to go into any more detail, but she plays God in Torchwood and she does it Scottish. Right. And it's great. Okay. It's it's amazing. I thought she was great. I thought that um I, I can't remember the name of the guy Sean. who plays Sean. Let me but look it up. He was very good, he was very entertaining. And also Yasmin Finney Yasmin is Finney really, is really good. Very she's, good in... she's just a very, very good actor. She's got charisma like mm. nobody else. She is very good in I mean, everything she's in. So I was not surprised. I haven't actually was... seen her in anything else before this. I've seen um, her in bits of Heartstopper, yeah. which I've read some of Heartstopper and Heartstopper is, is just delightful. Uh, Sean Doctor Who. Let me find out who plays him. It is... No, not Sean from The Lodger. Hmm. No, not Sean Carlson. Oh, for, for, Pete, for Pete Tyler's sake. Sean Pete Temple. Tyler was played by Sean Dingwall, wasn't he? Was he? Oh, yeah, he was. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sean yeah. Temple. So probably Sean was played by someone called Pete. That would make a lot of sense, except it's not. He's played by a guy called Carl Collins. Carl, Carl Collins, Collins that was it. Yeah. He was in Attack the Block with Jodie Whittaker. There's a... Nice. There's yep. a fact for you, internet dwellers. Cool. Uh, I did really yeah. like Yasmin Finney. I think we'll get on to in the stuff we were less sure on. I wish that she'd had more to do, and I think the things she did have to do didn't quite work for me, but I, we're going to get more of Yasmin Finney, mm-hmm. definitely. Um yeah, at least which is Giggle. good. I... I suspect beyond as well. I think they'd be stupid to yeah. when they've got someone that talented on their books, they'd be crazy yeah. not to get Yasmin Finney back if they can. Yeah, before she goes to Hollywood and starts oh, making yeah, hundreds of millions. As as happens with all of the best Doctor Who co stars. Goodbye, Matt Smith. Goodbye, Karen uh, <laughs> Sorry, sorry. See you I again one day in Carrie this Mulligan. country, maybe. Matt Smith is a generous... Yeah, Carrie Mulligan, of course, yeah. <laughs> Matt Smith is a generous pull for went to Hollywood and is making millions, <laughs> given that his Hollywood movies well, were, I believe, that bad uh, Ryan Gosling film, Morbius, and Terminator and Genesis. And that's not in Soho, which was... Apparently quite good. I heard it was very good, but then some people who I follow online, whose podcasts I listen to, were like, but then one of my friends said... Anyway, I more meant that Matt Smith was uh, doing House of the Dragon now, which, yeah, God knows how much you make from that, but probably quite a bit. Yeah, he's He's very good in that. I've not seen it. Or or House of the Dragon. (laughs) That's a good good one, yeah. That is a good joke. Uh, It wasn't on purpose either. Yes, I agree. Do you want to talk more then about your feelings around the, the new cast? Basically, what I wanted to say was that I just thought that obviously there were quite a few people going around. Oh, we haven't even talked about Miriam. Oh, uh, no, Miriam we do. Miriam's the last, my last point. So, yeah, the fact that there's quite a lot of characters wandering around together, which has been a hallmark of a lot of less successful episodes, is when there's a lot of characters mm. just hanging around together. But you don't feel the numbers in this because they all no. have very distinctive voices, very distinctive roles. Yeah, or they're um, not being pushed. There are scenes where some of them don't do stuff, but it's kind of okay because yeah. then they're just they're there and they're acting and it's fine. Yeah, I mean, Sean is kind of mostly fulfilling the sort of comic relief. Yeah, in, um, in the I, second half joke of the episode, I really but he, but he plays it well. There's a joke I really wanted to insert for Sean, which is you know when they're sneaking out of the house and there's that guy that's asleep. And yeah, what I, you, you actually see Sean leave. What I want is for Sean to look in and go. Oh, that's some nice carpentry, or something. Something that a really dad thing to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that would have been a great. And then, like, Don asked, like, <laughs> pull him. Be like, come on, on, out of shot. Yeah. Where he's being shown through the door. I think that would have been quite funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I made it up, so I think I would think it'd be funny. But that that would have been a nice moment, yeah. comic relief. But yeah. yeah, he's he's good. I look forward to seeing more of him, particularly because this is a character I think no one ever thought 
was gonna would come back come back and be significant so i would like i am looking forward to yeah. the inevitable sort of one audio that they do with like hmm. jacob dudman and carl collins like, well, he just hangs out with Sergeant Andy for oh, a while. Oh, don't, don't. They would get on so well. <laughs> oh, they would. Oh, don't even. Oh, now, Tom, don't poison my mind with dreams that I'll never have. I really like the, the sort of returning, sort of new cast. He's done a really amazing job. I mean, this is the thing I knew Russell would be good at. He's still yeah. got it with character. He's still got it with family drama. Absolutely, yeah. It's totally believable. I yeah. love I love Donna's relationship with Rose. I, she's so supportive yeah. in the most wonderful way and so fiercely defensive of her daughter. Yeah, and that was amazing. I love... I loved the uh, Donna Noble is descending. Yeah. Uh, little bit there. Absolutely. That was, yeah. I really like... Um, I like Sean's relationship as well. He's just happy with, yeah. With his, he's a very his, genial man. His girls, yeah. The last big positive I have. Beep, Miriam, Meep and Miriam Margulies, but also just generally beat the Meep. I obviously I love, knew yeah. he was going to be a bad guy. There's no uh, one. The yep. plot doesn't work if it turns out the Rough Warriors are just like fine. They are they are evil yeah. and Beep is good and that's it. Like that would yeah. you know that's no there's no plot there. It's just like okay yeah. Um, so we knew he was going to go psychotic. I, oh, sorry. Yeah. Is he the right pronoun for beat the meep? I'm genuinely asking. The meep. That was a scene that was in the uh, leaks. leaks. There was some leak that, oh, yeah, yeah, Rose yeah. will but I, say something about remember the meep I pronouns. I said beforehand, I think in context yeah. it's going to work really yeah. well because Rose is going to be putting a lot of themselves into the meep. And... I yeah, was right. and you're absolutely right. And it works. It's also yeah. funny. And yeah, I it's thought like the scene worked funny. very well. I thought that it was a nice little moment. And the bit where the Doctor was like, oh, yeah, I yeah. call myself by the, just the definite article yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, it, it was interesting the number of parallels that were established between the, the Meep and the Doctor. The and Beat the Meep. I... Oh, yeah, another two-hearted creature, yes. another potentially very destructive thing that uh, a, an alien that dropped out of the sky and managed to get a whole bunch of unit soldiers to sort of follow them around and do whatever they said. That's an alien with horrible little spiky teeth, just like David Tennant's yeah. horrible little spiky teeth. Yeah. David the Piranha Tennant, they call him. That's what they call him. And then, But once they've called him In that, it's industry. already too late. <laughs> That's why no one ever goes swimming with David Tennant. But actually, to be honest, if, if you go swimming with one David Tennant, it's actually fine. It's only if you go swimming with, like, you know, a, an entire school of, of David Tennant's. Yeah. All the different David Tennant's from all the different media. I would let, I mean, honestly, if I have to be torn apart by anyone, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, let, let it be David. Please. Tennant, not you. But Beat the Meep is excellent. They are exactly yeah. as I want them to be from the comics. Their viciousness, their want to cannibalize or not cannibalize just eat people and eat blood they go by the most high yeah. just like in the comics and the audios and they say they're the beep of all the meeps ah oh, it is yeah is so good it is uh, it is exactly what this sort of episode needs to me this episode feels like the best version of an arachnid in the uk kind of episode oh yeah do you know what i mean by that what do you mean like a kind of funny light-hearted thing that's also meant to have a sort of big emotional core. I, I quite like Arachnids. I think it's fine, but it's very yeah, me too. hammy. This is a bit less hammy. Yeah. I think I think this is the spirit, the same kind there's a, of spirit. There's an element of self-conscious silliness to it, though. I yes. do agree. Uh, but also, I mean, Beep the Meep, I watched it on a very nice TV. I think their face, I could tell, was quite a lot of CGI on my TV. But beyond that, the mm-hmm. puppet is exquisite oh it's a puppet i thought it was just miriam crouched over no uh, for some shots i knew that miriam was quite short well it's just because miriam miriam really wanted to do the stunts but only the stunts so when beep is being shot into the sky and parachuting down that is miriam margulies that makes sense that's miriam being a maverick all over oh miriam is such a maverick Uh, have you you've read popular book miriam being a maverick haven't you of course I have, yeah. By Natasha Tristan. Let, let, let's not even elaborate on no, that. No, 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 no. Everyone's read Natasha Tristan, the eminent autobiographer of all the celebrities. But yes, uh, and obviously, as you're yep. saying, Miriam's... Miriam's? Miriam Margulies' performance as Beat the Meep is... Particularly when they turn 
into the horrible vicious beat. Yeah. And he's amazing. Oh, <laughs> so angry. That was so great. vicious. Oh, go on, you do your yeah. beep stuff. It's time for Tom's beep content. Well, my, my beep content was going to be that I was so I was watching this with my partner, who now has a dislocated ankle, so we were sitting on the sofa eating a takeaway watching it, and for the first twenty minutes of the episode my partner was saying, Yeah, I I think we should probably I think everyone needs to get 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 a meep. The meep is going to be like the hot new toy this Christmas. Oh, yeah. And the look of dismay on my partner's face when the reveal happens. Yes. Like, oh, no, we can't get a meep now. Yeah, my sister was just like, what? Honestly, I... Beep, you know, beep straight I, up I still, murders I those guys. Just straight up. And that's exactly how beat the meep should be. Actually, on the... Sort of on that. And also sort of not on that as well, but it's another right. thought that I had. I really loved the... Just the little mechanics of the way the Doctor figured out that the Wrath Warriors weren't, yeah. um, weren't the evil ones. That was nice. Subtle, but it was nice. Yeah, it's just, just very neat. Checking the pulse, the, the context yeah. clues from the battle at the house. Yeah. Really nice. I'm not disappointed either that the Doctor's not like, oh, it's my old enemy, beat the meep. It's, it's fine. Like, I yeah, because knew that, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> would have been. Also, yeah, the, the plot doesn't work if the Doctor says it's my old enemy, I, beat the meep. I'm... <laughs> Could have been a different episode. Uh, it's my old enemy, yeah. Beep the Meep, who's turned over a new leaf and made best friends. It would be a very different episode if the moment the Doctor gains entry to Donna's house, he just immediately starts trying to <laughs> blow up this little thing. Immediately pulls out a gun and he's like, this ain't your daddy's Doctor Who. And then he shoots Beep the Meep yeah. right in the face. And then he puts on the sonic sunglasses and rides off in a motorbike yeah. into the sunset. Right into the TARDIS. Which interior yeah. looks like the Which bar happened, from, from yeah. dusk till dawn. If Shooty Gatwell rides a motorbike in the TARDIS, it might be the coolest thing that's ever happened. Oh yeah, probably. That yeah. Man, Doctor Who will never that come man close to the, that before or one since. One of the coolest men. I, I'm going to say who's ever lived. I'm going to make that claim about Shooty Gatwell. Yeah, I, I don't think we'd... I don't think I'd disagree. So, I do think that we'll see Beep the Meep again. Because there's Starbeast yep. 2 and there's the Ratings War. And there's also TV action in which Beat the Meep goes and tries to kill real Tom Baker in our universe. Cool. I don't know which of them will get adapted, but I would not put Rus- it past Russell to genuinely just do Starbeast 2 and call it Starbeast 2 because he thinks it's funny. I also, Beat the Meep says that they are going to tell their boss, presumably through plexiglass yeah. in their prison. Now, obviously, we don't know who the boss is. People are generally assuming it's Neil Patrick Harris's toy maker. But Tennant in Doctor Who Unleashed said, didn't no, didn't understand that line. Yeah. And then Phil Collins was like, ah, you have to watch and find out. So it's probably series 14. I would stake yeah. it. I mean, obviously, it's, it could, it could be. still be like, yeah. basically, it was a bit of dialogue that Neil Patrick Harris had to sort of dub in afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And David I'm not going to say it's definitely not the toy maker, but I don't really see why... Yeah, the toy maker. Unless Beat the Meat was revealed to be a toy, which w- can't happen based on the plot that we've seen. Uh, well, I... that's the thing. This brings bre- oh, okay. brings up this something your that I wanted to talk about. Can I give my theory as to who well, the boss is quickly? If it's not toy maker, go on, do it. Okay, yeah. very briefly. Either Josiah B. Dogbolter from the, or Josiah W. Dogbolter from the comics, who's a big frog gangster yep. uh, man. If Frobisher the penguin does appear. In Wild Blue Yonder, of which there is a chance, I'll be a hundred percent on this theory. There's always a chance that Frobish could appear. He could be anyone in any episode. He could be any of them. Yeah. Uh, and the other idea I had is that perhaps Jinx Monsoon's character feels like oh, the yeah, kind of character one, yeah. that might have that sway over. Yeah, over like yeah. yeah, the horrible beep meat. What does Donna call it? Space rat. And Mar- Martian ferret. To yeah, Martian calls the meat oh, quite a lot good. of fun things. They're all good. All of them so funny. They're all great. Uh, so that's that's my speculation on that. Well, it's just an observation that I had, and I don't know how many other people have made this observation, but well, Rose has a job on the side, making money uh, from from the from the shed. Yes. What's Rose's job, David? Uh, they. They make stuffed toys uh, of yeah. creatures such as the Meep that are extremely yeah, lucrative. They but only make for one toys. woman in Abu Dhabi? Oh. They make toys, David. The toy maker. You, you, oh, I see. Rose is the toy maker. 
Oh, I don't know. I, I'm just asking questions. It's just all I'm doing is asking questions, the questions that people yeah. want me to ask. I'm putting the truth before people, and it's their choice whether they see it or not. This is is just an observation that I had sort of after the episode that I, you know, of all of the possible things that Rose could could do, do, all of the possible things that could be sort of clues to Mm. um, clues to the meta crisis thing. I think it's I think it's significant that they make toys. I agree. I also think that. It might just be an Easter egg, but I think it will. Co- I think it will come into play somehow, even if it's just that's one of the ways through which Neil Patrick Harris attacks them. Yeah, am I right? One of the, the pillows is carving Easter. I thought so as well. Yeah, I yeah. There's also Easter. another one they did with Cyberman as well. Yeah. Um. So that's cool. So yeah, it's interesting. It's not. It's not one that necessarily Donna remembers. No, um, but I Donna would, never meets the Cyberman. I would take it as an implication that they did. She did off screen. And that there's, okay. As in, I, 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 I was taking it as an implication that it's all of the Doctor's memories, because obviously Donna also never meets Carvanista, but the Doctor did a long, long time ago when they were Joe Martin. Yeah, but not. But they, the memories of the Tenth Doctor during the Meta Crisis wouldn't be, wouldn't include Carvanista. Although, again, how the Meta Crisis well, works. Well, why, seems why not? Why not? If the, if the Morbius Doctors can show up in the brain of Morbius, why can't Carvanista show up in a bit of memory that gets through? There's no consistency here, David. No, well, as, as we're about as we're about to get on to, there is no consistency here, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But what I yeah. was going to say is, don't take away the Carvanista Donna tenant big finish from me. Yeah. Just give me that now. Yes. Yeah, right, yeah. I have two little two criticisms. The first little one that's very yep. quick. It's not the mess crisis. Is just the sonic screwdriver should not have more powers. The monitors are fine, but giving it a sonic force field power, it's just. Yeah, I don't think we should be giving the Sonic Screwdriver more stuff that it can do, but that's like a personal. I couldn't choice. tell. I couldn't decide whether I thought that was very fun or very very silly. I think it's or think both, it's, but annoying. Or... I think it's both. I think it's both very fun, very cool, and also a bit annoying. But we'll have to see if it doesn't yeah. come up. If it's not, used I don't mind to it too much because in the scripts, then who cares? You know, ultimately, the thing about the Sonic Screwdriver is that what it is for it is to solve plot problems. Yeah. And also, the Doctor will always build a force field out of random junk anyway, so it's just yeah. speeding up that point. If guns need to be stopped, they will be stopped. Yeah. As if I, it does not benefit the plot for the Doctor to whip up a force field, very, that will not happen. As a very brief aside, I've just been listening to the yep. original version of Genesis and the Daleks that the BBC have, like, um, the, not the BBC, the Big Finish sort of made, and it is, there's a bit where Tom Baker straight up, or not Tom Baker, the Doctor, Tom Baker and the Doctor, both of them, straight up pick up a gun and just shoot a file. And just kill a file <laughs> straight right. up. Like, not even, they're going for Sarah and they just, the Doctor just, just kills them with a gun. <laughs> Which is so, really so puts the ending of Revolution Man into perspective. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't know. Because it's yeah. not canon. Uh, okay, the yeah, meta crisis. <laughs> We're moving on, we're moving is. on. The Meta Crisis. Genesis Daleks isn't canon. Uh, the Meta Crisis. Uh... Yeah. So, the thing is, right, here's my take on it. Okay. It The resolution to the Meta Crisis doesn't make sense. But on the other hand, the Meta Crisis doesn't never made sense, sense in the first place anyway. So it seems, it it feels like it sort of doesn't really matter that much. That's what I was It was always yeah. in the a context... nonsense problem. Like in the within just the context yeah. of the show, and there's I think some external yeah. context we'll get to. It it's kind of fine. I think it's still silly, and a little bit stupid. Yeah. I think that it's a bit stupid that it passes down, like genetically. Genetically, that bit I didn't mind as much as the idea that you can just sort of Give voluntarily it relinquish. Yeah, because that's another thing. It's like, well, then, like, why, well, didn't, why didn't you just do that at journey's end? That? Yeah, it's yeah. I didn't like that either. I think that the idea that it passes down is is like fine but again it, it doesn't feel like there's a, any kind of inter- internal logic to it at all it's just like oh well, it can do this as well yeah. the doctor just says something about an inheritance i mean people complain about exposition in the chibnall era but i think it's fair to say this is one of the most expositiony expositions that modern who has ever had i think yeah the reason why i think russell gets away with a lot of the exposition he does is that he always sort of i i feel like he's always making it clear that What's important isn't really what he's actually saying. It's the sort of general emotional content behind the words. 
also they're always doing something a lot of the time like the characters exposition yeah. but they're often like flicking switches and they're you know, running around yeah. and, and obviously because the other dialogue is so great but yeah i do want to single this out as like you know people have a go at chibnall for exposition people have a go at Moffat yeah. for convolution i do think that the meta crisis this this way of resolving it is just as convoluted exposition as anything either of them did yeah it's just so random it is and yeah. This is the, other the, the issue basically is that Russell said uh, in Journey's End, this is sort of irreversible. There is no way to undo this. Yeah. If she remembers me, she will die. No ifs, no buts. Mm. And then sort of ruins that for himself in End of Time yeah. anyway, a year later. Yeah, this is what I was thinking. Then it's like, okay, but for real this time. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no, do you know what my, before I get onto the bigger context, my idea for how it could have gone and what I thought they should have done, right? was why doesn't yeah, Donna remember... Oh, sorry. Why doesn't Donna die when they remember the Doctor? Because the bit of the Doctor that's in her head is gone. Where is it? It's back in the Doctor. That's why he's David Tennant. Who put it there? It's the toy maker as part of the plan to manipulate the Doctor. And then you then have, well, how do you have the, the spaceship stuff, right? Like, how does yeah. the Doctor Donna save the day? And the answer is, the Doctor Donna doesn't need to save the day because Donna's arc is that Donna can do stuff, particularly with help from the yeah. Doctor. And I see no reason why you couldn't have had a scene where... And here's I definitely a... agree with that last point yeah. there. Well, let me give you a really um, lovely... Yeah. The, the end of that point as well, before you come come back at me with the force of a thousand suns. But Before I agree the, with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, all that. I, I, love, <laughs> I love that too. What I was going to say is, not just Donna, have it be Donna and Rose working together under the Doctor's yeah. instructions. They don't need to be Metacrisis. They're both wonderful, capable people who together yeah. are able to save London. That, to me, is a is a much better resolution to Donna's arc and avoids this tricky Metacrisis stuff as well. I completely agree because, yeah, it is a it is a problem that what the, met- what the Metacrisis functionally does is just it makes you very good at knowing which switches to flick and that and then die you know well yeah number one is not a great trade-off no most of the time and <laughs> unless you two, work yeah, in a switch is... factory <laughs> or you've yeah. lost well, your it's, you've it's, lost it's your pet light clearly. switch in in the light switch factory do you, sorry i i do want to continue but i also do want to ask very quickly <laughs> do you think that in light switch factories they have somebody whose job it is to just flick all of them to make sure that they flick <laughs> And yeah. do you think that automation has not yet reached that point where I, it can I, do that? No, I think I think there is there's one very tired man who has to do it for every factory in the world. Okay. But there's also a robot arm. It's not like automated any other way to an actual robot hand. Like how Samsung have a butt, a robot butt that sits on phones to check they don't break. Uh, you know, we can't get I'm not, past I'm the not going form. to go into that now. There's nothing okay. to go into, it's just true. I'm... Okay. Uh, <laughs> Continue. But yeah, no, I I agree with I agree with the substance of your point. With regard to the David Tennant face thing, we don't know the full details of that yet. No, so, we don't. yeah, what you've said makes oh, it's going to be makes part of the toy maker, definitely. Well, the other thing that I considered could be vaguely relevant to it is the fact that the Doctor that Don is dealing with isn't just the Doctor anymore. Then their life is, you know, a lot larger than they thought it was, and so maybe they've got the space to sort of like reabsorb the meta crisis in some way. They've got infinite regenerations. Yeah, did it, well, they might have infinite regenerations. Depends. Uh, I like to think I mean, they don't. Yeah, it depends on when the BBC charter gets renewed. The thematic point I thought it would be nice to be uh, making there was what? that the salvation for Donna comes from the way that the show has grown since mm, she left, basically. That's lovely, yeah, yeah. Because also it involved, like you're saying, the Doctor's, like I kept saying it as well, the Doctor's been shaken up by the revelation of a timeless child. They're not entirely sure who they are, mm-hmm. but actually they yeah. are who they've always been at this point, both in a literal yeah. sense, but actually in a in a emotional sense. In Similar a metaphysical to sense as well. Arc of, am I a good man? The answer is yeah. kind of, yes. Yeah. Depends on what you mean by good man. But that's always been the case for you. Yeah. You once tried to beat that caveman's head in with a rock and you're still kind of a good man. Maybe not in that episode, but yeah. you know, generally. Yeah, no, exactly. You shot that foul soldier, didn't you, in, in Genesis of the Daleks? Yeah. Another point to make with the external context of the Metacrisis, and this is something I thought at the time, but also has since been, I've thrown it out to a 
lot of friends who've agreed, including the the secret third member who has like valid Ooh. lived experience of this, is that yeah. basically what Russell's done here is say that the only currently the only trans character on televised Doctor Who is that way because they are part alien. And rather than yeah. they're just a valid human being in their own right, like, you know, real trans people are in the real world. And I... Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't think Russell is intending to say no, this. No, no, no. It, it, but yeah, it was, it was awkward and it was... It leaves a bad taste in my mouth, particularly because I like Luke Smith as a character, but as someone myself yeah. with ADHD and ASD, at this point, I'm actually angry that there's never been a neurodiverse major character or companion that isn't Luke grown in a test tube by Alien Smith. I It is... Yeah. And, and obviously there's Ryan with dyspraxia, but that's not handled very well. So I'm not really going to give Chris Chibnall that. So to me, Russell's basically just done it again. He's done exactly what he did with Luke Smith uh, again. Yeah, I think the Ru- Russell was trying to be too clever there. Um, and mm, yeah, yes, I agree. it is annoying. It doesn't need to exist. That's irritating. Right? The sort of weird gender essentialism that Donna and Rose are able to give up the meta crisis because of their gender is is a bit weird as well. I feel that that Rose should be trans, and I'm speaking, of course, and we're both speaking, of course, as as cis men. But yeah, that Rose should be trans because because they're trans. Yeah, it, and that's okay. it. Should just be a sort of an incidental thing rather than a plot point yeah. and basically. also because presumably they they got yasmin finney again like you get yasmin finney yeah. you use yasmin finney and one thing i will say yeah. though and uh sort of like slightly counterbalancing yeah not i've got count, not sort of contradicting well. this but you first but it, it is you know straightforwardly a good thing that russell is yes doing an awful lot for trans visibility absolutely very much stealing these lines from some people i've seen on twitter saying it but it's a very good thing that Russell has basically taken as much money as he can from Disney and used it to um, <laughs> produce something that they cannot edit out the fact that a character is trans. That's, that is no that you're right. That is excellent. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That is that is no that you know what that that is brilliant. Uh, I do love that. Yeah. I can balance out my own point a bit as well because here's the thing: whilst I don't think I still don't think the Meta Crisis stuff works, particularly as to regards it being the causative reason as to why Rose is trans. Because again, I feel yeah. like there doesn't need to be a... That should a, just be a thing. There doesn't thing. need to be a cause. Yeah. yeah, you don't need to explain that. But one way you can look at it is if you look at it from outside of the show in a meta, in a sort of meta context, right? Yeah. Rose is, in some regards, there's a bit where Rose says, what, I can finally feel like myself. Now, there is a problem with that yeah. in that they're feeling like themselves when they're not themselves. They're part doctor. But let's ignore Let's ignore that. What that is sort of saying is that the power of Doctor Who has allowed someone that's yeah. struggling in typical everyday life to feel more comfortable and happy. And that is the exactly, story yeah. Which is a very, Doctor very... Who. Absolutely. And yeah. So that's actually really... That's great. And also, yeah, as to regard the fact that, you know, they also represent the idea that Doctor Who is is for everyone and Rose and this kind of I'm not going to call it an arc but you know what I mean it yeah. embodies yeah, that Rose, spirit through her very identity has the power to demonstrate this and I think mo- for the most part that's done fairly well Russell drops the ball a bit but hopefully this is not the last we will see of Rose it's definitely and not. of course this is this is not the definitive statement. Now that we've got this weird thing out of the way, we could just have <laughs> yeah. Rose Noble be a cool character. <laughs> Rose Noble is gonna get a gun, and they're gonna. Rose they're Noble gonna is the toy maker. Kill some. They're gonna go kill some falls with their good yeah. friend, the Doctor. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what the thing that they've inherited from the Doctor is the <laughs> the violent just, streak. They've only inherited. Oh my Terry- goodness. I- David, 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 David. Right. Uh, we're saying all of this, and in full in full knowledge of what we're watching next, I've got a heck of a spin-off to pitch to you. I was just going to say that the only thing Rose inherited from the Doctor was the unshot pilot of Genesis and the Daleks. Well, no, I was just going to say, we're pitching the idea that, you know, Rose has inherited these traits from the Doctor. Okay. You know who else has inherited 
traits from the Doctor, such as military ones, and has history with the David Tennant incarnation and uh, Donna, and is, um, you know, an actor who clearly is sort of in with the the current (laughs) regime. And... Yeah, yeah, yes, it's Carvanista. Carvanista. No, I'm, I'm, I clearly, I'm talking about Georgia Tennant. Oh, just get Georgia Tennant no, and Yasmin Finney to do a show. Please. Okay, just as long as, as long as at no point Georgia Tennant playing Jenny meets David Tennant playing the Doctor, it, I just, I just don't want it. We're going to do. Look, yeah, we're going to discuss this. I think that people are being super weird about it. It is weird. They're actors. No, it's weird. They're actors. It's weird. It's weird. I think it's weird. And if they do a big finished box set, I will listen to it. But I still think it's weird. I like it when Peter Davison is with Jenny now. Ooh, that'd be a really good... Ooh, if they did Tales from the TARDIS and it was um, it was Jenny yeah. and the Fifth Doctor. Because they've done enough on audio that they could... Oh, that would be so great. Oh, that would be good. What what episode? Probably... They could do... Um, they could just do Doctor's Daughter. But what classic episode would... What is the Fifth Doctor most and, like Andrew a dad? Androzani would be the best good. one to do. Well, Androzani is an episode full of soldiers. Also, ooh, that is a good shout. Uh, I'm just trying to think about any better alternatives. Uh, I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say, time flight because yeah, just so that Jenny could spend the whole time being like, wait, so, so what? So he <laughs> so was just dressed up <laughs> for no reason. So Jenny could be like, wait, the plasmatons. <laughs> yes, the plasmatons. You'd be like. So that is our intense thoughts about the Star Beast. Well, I'm sure we will be doing something similar on Wild Blue Yonder next week. I intend to do so. I am really looking forward to it. Yep. It's going to be crazy. I don't have any more to say. It was a good effort. It was a good start. It's not Russell's best episode, yep. but it's it's a really fun one to it's get It's not us Russell's back best in. episode, but it's a classic Russell season premiere. And people seem to like it as well. Go for the big populist audience before yeah. feeding them some absolutely insane yeah. nonsense. And people, people really seem to like it. Like it, it's reviewed pretty well. Yeah. Even reviews where they're like, oh, "We have all of these problems." We're like eight out of ten. So it, it's reviewed well. People enjoyed it. So a nice start to a new era. Looking forward to seeing where we go next. Oh, I'm. So, I can't wait. It's gonna be. It's gonna be crazy. Right. Well, thank you very much yeah. for listening, and I hope to get the Daleks in Manhattan episode out later this week but it might be delayed because we're doing these 60th anniversary special ones but you will hear our very complex thoughts on those episodes at some point so thank you very much for listening thank you very much for listening please follow us on social media see you next time as in the description bye bye bye